Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, well, let's just introduce them first, because sometimes we don't. That would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe, how's it going? It's going. It is really, really warm today. Really? Yeah, it's like 80-something degrees with like a super high humidity here. It's awful. Oh, okay. You said 80-something, and I was about to laugh, and then you said humidity, and I went, ah... <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like an eighty percent humidity index today. Oh no, no! Why do you live yes. there? <laughs> I don't know. What a terrible, terrible place! All right. Uh, next up is our other lore columnist over on Blizzard Watch, and that would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi, how's it going? I hate hex wrenches. Hex wrenches. Those little screws that Ikea makes that have the little hexes instead of a screw. Oh, an Allen wrench. Allen wrench, yeah. yeah. I hate them so much. So very much. I'm going to take it that you um, messed around with Ikea furniture today. I built an Ikea bookcase for my wife's bed. She's putting some books in it. Was it the Billy? I don't even remember. It was. I never saw this one before. It like doesn't. It wasn't like the the ones that have wood sides. It had like like long. I don't even know how to put this. Like it's it's not an usual one. I tweeted a picture my wife took of it. It's it's just very annoying. Whatever it was, it was very annoying. I did not like it. Plus, you have to nail those. You know how they have those backs that you have to nail in place with those tiny little nails. Unfortunately, yes. yes. The finishing I, nails. I, I must have hit my thumb like four or five times for every time I drove in one of those nails. And there are like 20-something of those nails. So I basically turned my thumb into like Dadaist art um, doing this thing. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of, of Ikea furniture right this second. That's a very bizarre-looking bookcase. I just looked it up over on Twitter because now I was, you know, I got all curious. I'm like, oh, what are you putting your books on? I appreciate yeah, bookcases. Was... We don't have Ikea out here, so... Yeah, I'd never seen it before. Uh, it actually required a lot of like shimmying into place. It was one of those really weird ones where like that's like it literally. You know that they have those things that IKEA likes to we like have to put in a, like a large cam type thing and then turn it to lock things in place. Yes, it's yeah. They this one used a lot of those, and I was like, oh god, I hate these. So this is not my favorite IKEA bookcase of all time. No. My last experience with an Ikea bookcase was when I was living in California, and it was a very nice bookcase. It had, like, these wire braces on the side that were kind of arches. It was a hanging one, and it had two wooden, sh- two or three, two or three wooden shelves, but they were kind of stair-stepped out, so the bottom shelf was wider than the top one. And I hung that for my wall, and I loaded it up with books, and it lasted for, like, mmm a good year and a half and then all of a sudden one day when I was at my computer it decided to just collapse on top of me I have a really substantial library and most of it was in my lap <laughs> I've had that happen before I when I have a bookshelf that's like freestanding so it doesn't have a wall behind it and when, when we first got our puppy uh, Sylvanas and, and Little were playing and Sylvanas took all of her beagle butt and smacked into the bookcase in just the right way that the whole thing tipped over just as I was walking by. Oh, it was, no. It was, I, I actually wound up going through that false back that Rossi was talking about and had the thing like books and stuff all at my feet and many, many of them hit my head. It was it was an interesting evening. So I, you were I, that boss from, that, from uh, the, the 7.2 dungeon. I was exactly that boss from the Cathedral, cathedral of Eternal Night. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, the one that busts through the... Yeah. See, I really liked the bookcase. I thought it was very delicate looking, but it seemed sturdy enough until it suddenly wasn't. And that was the last time I bought an Ikea bookcase. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of bookcases and books and lore, we should probably get to the whole meat of the show portion of things. Um, We had a substantial list of emails last time, and I think we hit all of two of them. Because we got kind of sidetracked into discussion about the Earth I, I mean, people and... know what they're getting into when they, they listen to us. It's, it's, they it's, do. It's adorable. <laughs> we, we tend to kind of ramble on with the emails, particularly if they strike a point that we find interesting and kind of want to follow down the winding path into the woolly world of speculation. Regardless, if you have an email for the show, you can send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just make sure that you put Lorewatch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for the show. And we do take questions for games other than World of Warcraft. It's just we get a lot of World of Warcraft questions. But hey, if you have anything that you want to know about Overwatch, Starcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, um, I'd say Hearthstone, but it doesn't exactly have like a ton of story to it. (laughs) Same thing with Heroes of the Storm. Regardless, feel free to send us a question for any of those and we will answer them eventually on the show. Okay, so uh, first email here is from Archmage. Oh, wow, that's a good name. Avariella? I'm going to say Avariella of Moonguard, who says, To jump right into it, I was doing the Death of Chromie scenario when guess who showed up? Rathian. When talking to him at the Obsidian Dragon Shrine, he says he knows nothing about the attack and was visiting Northrend for his quote-unquote own amusement. His response and his presence raises a few questions, namely, why is he there, and is that future or present Rathian? We know that when Rathian ate the heart and mist, we saw that he had a vision, but is that all that happened? Do you think that maybe he absorbed the essence of Amonthul and gained time-controlling powers as a result? Regardless of that, do you think that version of Rathian we're seeing is future or present version, and why do you think he's there? Obviously, he saw the attack on the shrine and he's attending to it, but why is he in Northern? We know the attacks are connected to both the Legion and Old God-related stuff, because Void Beings, Nightmare stuff, and Legion Army members are both there. Do you think Rathian is connected to this somehow, such as trying to gather more intel? I look forward to hearing your theories. And Anne's fangirling over Rathian returning. Okay, to get straight to the point, I was fangirling over Rathian returning until I clicked on Rathian and realized that he had the same voice lines that he did in Mist of Pandaria, and then I got very angry. But that's besides the point, really. I got to the point and then I said it was beside the point. I'm making lots of sense today. Rathian shows up. That's the Chromie scenario. What do you guys think? Well, if, if that is present Rathion, it's actually slightly future Rathion, because we don't know exactly what time period. Yeah, the whole we thing are is going setting. into the future or going to a different time period because Chromie's bumping us somewhere. Yeah, she said to the future, like the near future. So if, even if that's present Rathion, it's future Rathion. But it might be that time period's Rathion, or it might be Rathion from another time frame. It's, it's very hard to determine that. Because as you pointed out, she ate Amantul. He ate Amantul's heart, and Amantul was the titan that gave um, Nazdormu his time powers. So it's possible Rathion has time powers. It's possible he doesn't. He didn't seem to have them in when war crimes. I think was he's happening. just up there hanging out. He's like he's just up there looking around for some reason. I don't. I don't think that he was like manipulating time or anything because he didn't appear to have anything to do with what was going on in the shrine. He was just watching. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's certainly possible. I, I, like I said, I don't 
if it is if he does have time powers now, he doesn't seem to be using them as you point out. He didn't seem to have time powers when when he was involved in war crimes, like in and that he needed a bronze dragon. So And I mean the Thunder King to speak of it didn't really seem to have time powers either, so I mean depend it depends on how Amonthul's power was fractured out. I mean maybe he gave that part of it to the bronze dragon flight and then as far as no that doesn't make sense because he did the whole thing with Raden prior to anything going crazy yeah i don't think he like would lose powers by letting other people have them i think he very much just empowered them with his power he's got plenty more let's go back to the aspects themselves and how they were empowered cuz that wasn't really it wasn't the titans showing up and saying here have a portion of our power it was tear that kind of in in Imbued, imbued them with these like the essences that were left. Wasn't it? Wasn't it like all of them though? Everybody but Odin. Like they, they pretty much. I all thought it went... was all of them yeah. because they, they, they do draw back to. I mean, they pay homage to the Titans, don't they? Like, if I remember correctly, all of the Dragon Flights they pay homage to them, regardless of who raised them. But I, I, I think it was all of the, the Watchers except for Odin, who you know they were beneath him. Yeah, I, I just seem to recall that, like, when Tyr went to them and said, okay, look, we we need these guys empowered, and Odin was like, no, and stormed out, and everybody else was like, oh, okay, yeah, we see your point, sure. But, I'm, you know, I'm trying to remember this, and I think I remember correctly. I'm just remembering Dawn of the Aspects is what I'm thinking of, because I know that Dawn of the Aspects, Tyr was their contact in Dawn of the Aspects, and Tyr was the one that was helping them out when they were trying to hunt down Galakron, and he was the one that kind of realized after all of that occurred that, oh, hey, maybe these guys are kind of the guardians that Azeroth needs, and I thought that he had facilitated that, but I guess he wouldn't have done it all himself, necessarily. Well, no, because if you think about it, right, like, you have ones that draw back to Amonthul, you have at least two that draw from power that is in Aenar's domain, you have one that's uh, Norganon, and then okay, you have but another what one I'm thinking Asgore. about is at, during that time period, how many of those keepers were aware that the Titans were dead? Mm. Like, how many actually knew what had happened? I don't know. The only ones that seemed to know anything about it were Raden and Loken. And Loken didn't know what was going on. He just knew something bad had happened. It was only Raden was the only one who seemed to figure it out. So Tyr like, wasn't necessarily aware of it? It doesn't... If you read Chronicle, they don't say he knew anything okay the yeah. only one that they specifically say knew Rod anything N. was rod n well rod Cause n, he, yeah because he, he went into he just kind of panic withdrew. mode yeah he, yeah he panic mode withdrew okay all right so what was i talking about before we got on this sidetrack <laughs> imbuing of the aspects rathion Im- yeah imbuing the aspects in rathion rathion is obviously he's one of the black dragon flight which means that his powers more lent towards earth and that kind of at least that's what that bloodline was supposed to be intended for originally before Deathwing went all cuckoo before Neltharion went all cuckoo and turned into Deathwing that's what they were intended for was they were there to you know shape the deep places of the earth and kind of facilitate that kind of a thing rather than having anything to do with time whatsoever so I don't necessarily think that the whole eating the heart of Raden or the Thunder King, eating the heart of the Thunder King, I don't think that that had any kind of like physiological change towards Rathion where he suddenly showed up with a new kit full of powers or whatever. If he had, why would he have gone to Kairos? 
if you yeah, had, I, I, why would he have worked with Kairos at all? That's the thing for me too. It's he he needed the uh, the artifact that Kairos created on the uh, Timeless Isle to do time stuff. He didn't have any time powers of his own. He needed someone else to do it. He was he certainly wanted Hellscream to get over there um, pretty strongly. He he assisted them, but he didn't seem to have those powers. Everything Rathian's done so far that we've seen seemed to be involved with the Legion. Um, and not, not involved with the Legion as in the Legion were telling him what to do. Involved with the Legion as in, oh, the Legion's coming. I better do something to get them united. If I can't get them to, to unite and defeat Hellscream and destroy the Horde and do that, I'll unite them by getting another threat to come that will be so bad that they'll unite to fight it. And then they'll be ready when the Legion showed up. That's The whole Warlord seemed to be that if you read War Crimes. I mean, that's what I think. I don't know what you guys think. No, I mean, it, it seems to track pretty well because that, that was his thing was trying to find some way to unite the forces of Azeroth to save Azeroth. Like, and he, that was his scheme. His scheme was to find whatever it took to do that. And, I mean, I think that was pretty pretty clear. I have a theory, but I'll get into that in a minute. Um, as far as the question here that Avariella is asking... Why do you think that Rathian is at the is up in Northern? Like, what what's drawing him up to Northern? All he says when you talk to him is that he's he was he wasn't there. He had nothing to do with the attack. He was just visiting Northern for quote unquote his own amusement, and then he happened to find this demonic invest, in, infestation at the Black Dragon Shrine and was like, "Huh, that's weird." And that's when you stumbled across him. Was when he was like, "Wow." skeletons in the black dragon shrine demons yeah dad wouldn't have approved i wonder what's going on here like that it all seems to be fairly innocent but is it really like why was he in northern what was what amuses a black dragon what amuses rathian why is he there uh the only thing i can think of is the thing that's right there in the middle of uh dragon blight the, the reason that arthas was interested in it the bones of galakrond are there okay but why would he be interested in the bones of Galakron? Because that's the first time the dragons existed. Before those, there's no dragons. And Galakrond was the one that... It's it's very heavily hinted in the book, at least. It's not actually... Nobody ever comes out and says, Oh, Tyr done messed up, or the old gods done messed up Tyr's plans, or anything. But the hint is that when, when Tyr is fighting Galakrond, and he's hitting him with his hammer... Um, at one point, it seems Galakron mutates into something that looks like a true dragon, which implies that either Tyr was trying to turn Galakrond into some kind of true dragon, he was trying to force his evolution, or that the old gods were trying to do so. Uh, and it's never, like, no one ever comes out and ever says, what's going on with this? So I'm not sure exactly what was going on with this, but it's something that's always kind of bothered me. It's like, what was going on with Galakrond? Why was he suddenly eating other other proto-drakes? Why was he suddenly immensely powerful? Why was he suddenly, like, creating undead dragon things? Like, what was that? I mean, obviously the old gods were involved in some way, but what was actually happening? And that, we don't know anything about it. We, we still don't know what was going on with Galakrond. So that's the only thing, the only thing I can think of that would be of interest to Rathion in Northrend, although I'm sure there's, like, there's other stuff. I mean, there's Alduar. There's, you know, the dragon, there's, you know, the temple, the dragon temple itself. I can't remember the name at the moment. Wormrats. Well, thinking about it, like, it it might not just be his shrine alone or, or just the bones of Galakron that are of interest to him. I mean, if you think about it, the 
essentially the race of dragon kind, all the, the, the flights are in decline, right? And no, no more so than the black dragon flight. I think we have what two, three confirmed uncorrupted. Everything else has been basically gone or mutated or, uh, thrown away essentially due to the ravages of time, old God or adventurers. So if, you have all of these pieces of the dragons that were interred into the earth or into their relative shrines. They're all Titan touched. And then if you combine that with the bones of Galakron, who was known as the progenitor of dragon kind, maybe he's looking for a way to kick start the dragon race again. Maybe he's looking See, for a way to bring them back from the, from the brink of, of annihilation. There's that. But then of course, all of this was Dawn of the Aspects. And Dawn of the Aspects, the only people that witnessed that thing were the Aspects themselves. They, Caligos included. Caligos kind of lived sure. through that whole snapshot of history. And then he retold the tale to the Aspects who said, oh, yeah, we remember that. We remember our roots. Okay. And that's, that's what that whole vision was for, was just to remind them of who they were and what they were fighting for. That kind of thing. Uh, and I don't think yeah, Rathian would have been aware of that, but it was made. He ate, he ate that heart, though. We don't know what he saw. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was made. It was made pretty clear in Dawn of the Aspects that they just said that Galakrond was kind of the progenitor. He wasn't, but they said that he was in order to kind of cover up what he was. You know, that's one of those things that has always, always, always bothered me. And you know, Rossi, you mentioned this. We don't know what happened to Galakrond to make him the thing he was? All we know is that in this vision of history, and it's being seen through the eyes of a proto-Drake, so it's kind of a blurred vision of history almost. You're seeing it through Malagos's eyes, but it's before Malagos was even an aspect. It was when he was still a proto-Drake. All we see is that Galakrond is the biggest. He's massive. He's huge. He blots out the sun when he flies overhead. He turned into this monstrosity that was afflicted with something that was making him grow limbs and, and pieces of like other dragons from his body. It was he was covered in these like pustules and things like that that were just like it was like there here's a leg here's an eye here's a what and it's just like scattered across his hide and then every dragon that he ate would kind of like come back because he'd like cannibalize these dragons and absorb their life essence and they just come back as these undead things so it's like we're dealing with necromancy here but I don't understand. It was never actually... They, they didn't look into what made him the way he was. Like, why was he doing that? What happened to cause that mutation? And it's one of those things that I'm like... Well, in the what book, happened? There had to have been something major that, that happened here. Was it? Was there something wrong with, like, the, the creation engines or something that caused this? Was it a malfunction? Was it the curse of the flesh? Was it... What was it? And I think yeah, Rossi's right. I think know. it was... I think it was Tyr messing around with them. Well, Tyr says something to the effect of, you know, this this is my responsibility. There's, you know, something went wrong. And that's as far as he goes. He doesn't say, I did this and now he's a monster. And I don't know if Tyr means it's his responsibility because he's a watcher. And thus he's supposed to be watching for this kind of thing. Therefore, it's his responsibility because he and his uh, his fellow watchers weren't paying attention. Like that, he could mean that. 
Uh, he could mean I tried to jumpstart evolution and it didn't work because look at him. That's not good. Uh, or it could mean, you know, it could be any one of a number of things. And that's the problem. It's not directly stated. Definitely. There is a part in the book and I, I remember it really well, but I don't have the book to hand to look it up because it's on my iPad, which is nowhere in this room. But there's a part where he's lived there when they're fighting him. And he, like I said, Tyr is beating him with his hammer. And for a moment, like he resembles a true dragon. To, to Malagos, not to Malagos, to Caligos, because Caligos is looking through Malagos's eyes, but he's still Caligos. To Calamalagos. Yeah, Calamalagos. Uh, so there's a point where he sees it and thinks, you know, he, what, that he looked like a true dragon there. But obviously he isn't. Um, and, you know, he, he, it is one of those things where, you know, I don't know. It certainly is possible that Galacrond is the reason he was there. You guys reminded me of something else, though when you were talking, um, which is that uh, Rathion isn't a normal dragon in many ways. And one of the ways he's not a normal dragon is that he was essentially assembled from a whole yep. clutch of eggs. Mm -hmm. And they used a Titan artifact to quote unquote purify him. Like they put him together from a bunch of eggs that were all kind of corrupted. They like, they edited out the bits that were corrupted and kind of combined together one egg out of all the other ones. It was all spliced together. Yeah, so using the eye of the watchers. That might if you're if that's you, if that's your origin, if you knew you were created that way, Northrend might definitely be a place you'd be interested in, not just Wormrest Temple, but Olduwar itself, because Olduwar is the largest somewhat functional repository of Titan tech you could get your hands on. If you wanted to look at the stuff that made you, that'd be a place to go. I mean, so would Oldham. I have no idea if he's ever been to Oldham. But you know, that is something to consider as well. Okay. I'm going to leave it there and move on to the next email. And then I'm going to talk about that theory that I had. Um, anyway, our next email, it's from Neoli, who, who's a Brahmin Arc Druid of the Scarlet Crusaders Guild from the Turalian Realm, who says, is, Isn't it true that several members of the Black Dragonflight demonstrated susceptibility to the influence of the Old Gods? With that in mind, wouldn't you say that since his introduction in Cataclysm, Rathian's actions have been consistent with that of a character who is an agent of the Old Gods? Pulling strings, preparing for the destruction of the Legion, active surveillance of the Timeways, yada yada, and now that he has an implied partnership with one Jaina Proudmore, rule ruler of Colteris, there are significant implications for the next expansion. What do you think? Um, I don't know what you're talking about as far as the implied partnership with Jaina. There is no implied partnership. That was just speculation that we were having that maybe mm -hmm. maybe because the two were absent or the two were both mysteriously absent, they came together at some point or another. Um, I honestly, when I think about it, I don't think that Rathian and Jaina would get along. Probably not, no. Uh, first off, Rathion kind of facilitated that whole method of Garrosh getting out of jail free, as it were, and escaping to Draenor, and I doubt that Jaina would approve of that very much. Secondly, and more importantly, Rathion wants the Horden Alliance to unite. That's what he's been about since Missa Pandaria, was getting those two sides to work together. And Jaina is not about that right now. Um, Garrosh was directly responsible for the destruction of Theramore. There was no way she was going to forgive that, ever. And I don't think that she'd be too keen. I mean, she walked away from the Kirin Tor. She walked away from a position that she was supposedly destined to have. When Cadgar made her leader of the Kirin Tor, it was because um, Crassus had left a note saying that 
she was meant to take this role, essentially. There was a prophecy there. It wasn't necessarily a prophecy, per se. It, it, it was there specifically to guide her to that role. And that's why she stepped into that position. And now that she stepped away from it, it's like, well, what about that prophecy? It said that she was destined to lead these people. She didn't lead them very far because she kind of took over. And then we went to Draenor and then she made it known that she was not happy with anything. You know, it just it seems like it seems like she was put in that place and then forced out of it before she could actually do anything with it. So why was she put there to begin with? You know what I mean? Um, so I don't think that we're done with Jaina, but I also don't think that Jaina would get along with Rathion. Like, not in the slightest. No, probably not. The only thing that the two of them have in common is that they haven't been seen for a very long time. That's it. And we have seen Rathion in bits and pieces. He was there at the end of the Legendary Ring, Jane. He was just kind of flying overhead. He didn't say anything to you. He was just there, and then he flew away. Um which I thought was kind of a cop-out. But <laughs> there's a lot about Rathion that I think is kind of a cop-out. However, um, there's an interesting question that's posed here, and, and it kind of ties into that theory that I was talking about. I I play a rogue. I have My main character is a rogue. And when I went into my class hall last week, I went back and Marin Nogginfogger had this thing, and he was like, here, take this thing. It was a scroll, and I picked it up, and it's a scroll that will automatically teleport me to Ravenholt, which I wasn't even aware was a thing. Um, I didn't know what this was. It, well, it's not listed as a toy or anything like that. It's just an item in my bag. So I clicked it thinking, okay, if I go to Ravenholt, is there a quest there for me? What is this? And no, it turns out it's just a, it's just a teleport. That's all it is. It's just a teleport. However, when I arrived there, I noticed that there was a shrine to one side of the, you know, the combat ring. And if you click on the little gravestone there, it replays that whole cinematic from the Rogue Legendary quest chain. A quest chain that I had kind of forgotten about. <laughs> because the thing is, is we've been focused on Rathion since Mists of Pandaria, right? Yeah. yeah, we've been we've been focused on him because that was when he took an active invested interest, not just in rogues, but in everybody on Azeroth. And he said, hi, I've had this vision and you need to do something about this vision because look at this. The Legion is coming. OK, that's not the first time that rogues see him. The first time that rogues see him is immediately after he hatches from the egg. And his actions have nothing to do with the Legion, have nothing to do with Azeroth per se, except for the fact that he says, Hi, I'm new, and I'm different, and I'm not corrupted by the old gods because of this crazy thing that the Red Dragonflight did to me. I'm not going back to them because they would like to keep me prisoner. I'm my own dragon. Thank you very much. But there are others of my species that are corrupted. They're tainted by the old gods, and there's no way to get out of that. So I need you to kill them for me. And then over the course of that legendary quest chain, you are sent around the world to systematically exterminate the remainder of the Black Dragonflight, ending with Deathwing. Deathwing is the last person that he sends you after. And then you return to Ravenhold and you find that the Red Dragonflight has decided to attack Ravenhold. It's on fire. There's a dead red dragon just laying there. And Rathian says, yeah, they had the gall to try to attack me. And that was terrible. What a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Um, 
and he says, by the way, there's one black dragon left that we need to kill. And then he turns to Farad, who was kind of his right-hand man throughout all of this. Farad was an agent of Ravenholt and said, hi, I was just talking about you. You're the final black dragon and we need to get rid of you. And he's like, no, I've been loyal to you, all this other stuff. And Rathion says, yeah, you rescued me and everything, but you're a black dragon. And that means that you're corrupted and you hear voices in your head right now, don't you? And Farad starts going a little crazy and he's like, what are the voices telling you now, Farad? And Farad's like, they want me to kill you now. Oh, why do you have to go and anger them? And then he goes to try and kill Rathion. And the rogue busts out of nowhere, stabs the heck out of Farad. He falls over dead. It's a fantastic quest chain is what I'm saying here. But beyond that, the implications, the implications are that Rathion had no interest in the Legion at that point. He had no, he had no interest in anything at that point. At the end of it, when he, when he distracts Farad so that you can kill him, he says, I will never be controlled. The Red Dragonflight has no idea what they unleashed when they experimented on my egg. And after you kill Farad, he says, it's done. To my knowledge, I'm the only black dragon who remains. And then he says, a new age for mortals is dawned and heroes like you are among the vanguard. And I must go now. Maybe we'll meet again. I hope we find ourselves on the same side. And then he leaves and he's just gone. He doesn't show up again until Missa Pandaria. And when he shows up in Missa Pandaria, that's when he says, hey, by the way, I've had this crazy vision. But he never mentioned that. He never mentioned that vision from the onset. So somewhere between leaving Ravenholt and arriving in Pandaria, he got this vision. We don't know where he got it from or what it signifies other than, oh no, the Legion is coming to Azeroth. We should do something about that, right? So yes, what does he do? Yeah, that seems pretty good, yeah. So what does he do? He puts this whole plan into orchestration to make Azeroth strong enough to defeat the Burning Legion. He cultivates this whole thing and kind of orchestrates it all. He goes through all of that Falderal and Miss of Pandaria. He eats the heart of Amonthul. When he eats the heart of Amonthul, he sees that, oh my gosh, the final Titan, the final Titan exists within Azeroth. This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And then he kind of disappears. He just disappears on us. So what I want to know, and the theory that I have here, is was Rathion trying to prepare us for the return of the Burning Legion? Because I don't know if he necessarily was. He didn't show up for this stuff. And, I mean, you could argue, okay, they couldn't find a place in the story for him or whatever. Yeah, he was there during the beta or whatever. Or you could look at it from a slightly different angle and go, what gave him that vision of the Legion to begin with? Was it the world soul in Azeroth? Was, was it speaking to him? Because at that point in time, he hadn't consumed, you know, the heart of the Thunder King or anything. Or was it something else? Was he maybe not quite as clear of that corruption as we all thought he was? Was all of this not, was this, was all of this orchestration that he did, was this to get rid of the Burning Legion? Or was this maybe perhaps the old gods nudging him in what little way that they could? Because right now in Legion, what we're looking at here these agents of the old gods, these these daggers, these creatures that are in the Emerald Nightmare, everything else, they all seem to be perfectly content to let us go ahead and beat up the Legion. Because they know, I think, they know that the Legion is, is a threat to them. You know what I mean? 
so what I'm wondering here is, is it possible that maybe what Naoli is saying here is is correct on one degree or another? And that this whole conspiracy thing that Rathion introduced to us in Missa Pandaria, it was actually a front for another conspiracy that we weren't even aware of. And I've been rambling for so long here, and you guys are dead silent. <laughs> Somebody say something. Well, I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Rossi. Well, I just, I mean, that's there's an interesting idea to that, and the idea that he might be more affected by the old gods than he thinks, and he might even be doing some you know, stuff without even knowing he's doing it because of them. I mean, how did he know that the other dragon was hearing voices? Uh, and for that matter, but one of the things that gets me is that Rathion has always been wrong about one very specific thing. Uh, when he said, as far as I know, I am the last black dragon, he wasn't right. Correct, yeah, because yeah, we, was... we now we've been introduced to uh, Abyssian, though. Yeah, but even before Abyssian, we knew he wasn't right. Because Sibelian, as far as we know, Sibelian is still out there. Lord Sablemane from BC. Out on Outland. Uh, yeah, but he still exists. And mm-hmm. he's he's a son of Deathwing and, oh, I can't remember her name. I always want to say Sindragosa, but it's not. Sinestra. Sinestra he's, a son, he's a son of Deathwing and Sinestra. He's Nefarian and uh, Anixia's broodmate. He's, you know, he's, if any dragon is susceptible to the whispers of the old gods, it'd be that guy. Um, and Except that he's that, not on Azeroth anymore. He's out on Outland, and we haven't seen him since. Yeah, yeah but that didn't, stop, that didn't stop uh, anybody else that was disconnected from, from being corrupted, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, there's, I mean, the other black dragons. No, but what I'm saying is maybe Rathion wasn't necessarily aware of him because... Yeah, that's I my mean, point. I mean, the kid just not, hatched on Azeroth. He doesn't yeah, know... That's my point exactly. He's fallible. He doesn't know everything. No, he, he doesn't. Makes, he makes decisions based on what he thinks is the best information, but he is a baby. You know, dragons are born with like certain amount of information implanted from their parents. That's a given. They, they know things almost immediately. They're smarter and more put together than we are when we're born, obviously. Um, but nevertheless, he is a child. He is an infant dragon. At this point, he's still... It's only been a few years since he hatched. Yeah, Miss Pandaria, he, he famously says that line about how he's only two. Yeah. So <laughs> he's like two years old. <laughs> he is a child by dragon standards. He's not and everything he's done, the whole idea, you know, why here's an, here's a question that's never succinctly answered. We know Alexstraza. We know how Alexstraza thinks and what she does. If she sent red dragons after him, why did she send red dragons after him? Was she, she sending send them red- after him or after Farad? Or for that matter, if they were for Rathion, why? Yeah. Was it just to control him? Because for, you know, this is the same Alexstrasza who forgave the Horde, infamously forgave the Horde for what they did to her. She straight up said, no, I I don't hate any living thing. So she's not out to control Rathion because she's afraid of him or angry at him. That's not her style. What does she want? What does she think? Is like, is she watching this boy act and saying, oh, it's, you know, he's totally not, he has no idea what he's doing. You know, there's a lot to consider in this. There's Rathion's decision-making process, even if it's not tainted by the old gods, may not be the best, you know? Yeah, just because he's so young. Yeah, and, he, and he's also, it's one of those things, like, in real life, you see this all the time. You see very intelligent human children, who are like, you know, teenagers or whatever. Let's, we'll use teenagers as an example. Like, they're smart. They're smarter than a lot of adults. And they're smart without any, they don't have experience, 
they have their sharp minds and they make they they see through the heart of a lot of things and they're they they think that being smart means they have all the answers but they haven't lived enough yet to know the questions and Rathion strikes me as that times a thousand he's smart and powerful enough to get himself into trouble in in a variety of ways it doesn't have to be the old gods but it certainly could be and that's something i hadn't really considered what if the fact that he's not corruptible is the problem like he's so sure oh well they can't just they can't just drive me crazy and influence me because of the titans he never realizes but they can trick you yeah and that would make sense right because if he's got that naivete uh where he is so sure of himself that he can do no wrong I mean, especially after ingesting the piece of essentially what is Titan imbued, you know, meat, uh, you get all this, this sort of assurance. You have all this power. You have all this certainty. You have all this knowledge. And those are the easiest people to dupe in every story ever written is the ones that are so sure of themselves and so sure of decisive action that they don't stop to consider everything. It's really easy to throw a little breadcrumb in front of them and watch their decision making process consume that breadcrumb and then go looking for the whole loaf like it. And that makes a perfect amount of sense, because I'm also thinking about some of the things he doesn't know. Like you're mentioning uh, Sebeline or, or and, and Northrun. What about Serenar? He was another one that uh, back in, I want to say Wrath, he was the NPC that you interacted with. He was hidden dragon shire. We have no clue what happened to him. Or I, I think I think rogues might actually know. Don't don't we go kill him? Don't rogues kill him? What was his name? Serenar. Mm. I don't think so. Where was I don't he think located? Northrend. He was at the Obsidian Dragon Shrine. He was the quest giver in Wrath. How did you spell his name? S e r i n a r. Okay, hang on. I'm looking. Because he up. just. Because I'm pretty sure he just disappeared. I don't think the rogues ever killed him. I think it was the other one. I don't know. Yeah, well, you aren't sent after him or anything. Yeah, because I think he may have disappeared before Rathion was ever doing his thing. And the interesting thing about him, if I remember correctly, is when you interacted with him, he was really friendly. He was super cool and super like thankful for you clearing out the undead threat at the Obsidian Dragon Shrine. And he wasn't like any of the other black. He was very much like uh, he was surprised that uh, you were helping him out. He was, but he was very much like Abyssian. Like he was very like, okay, this is cool. You're good. You're cool. He didn't seem weird or, or, or anything out like that. So, But I'm just saying, like, so we know that Rathion isn't infallible. We know that he's way too sure of himself. We know that he doesn't know everything. No. Because he thinks he does. He just doesn't. So, I mean, I think Rossi's right. I don't think he's corrupted. And I think that's, that's part of the problem is because he doesn't fear corruption. I think he's making just poor decisions and being duped, maybe. Well, I mean, we don't know. It could very well be that he is doing as well as he thinks he is. But, I mean, if you're the old gods, you've been around for a very long Ever. time. Literally yeah, I mean, forever. The old gods are old hands at this sort of thing. I mean, it's, yes, you have an intelligent opponent, but that doesn't, an intelligent opponent is still beatable. You can make them do the work. You know, it's, there's an old line, uh, you know, someone, smart people are sometimes the easiest to lie to because you you lie to them in a way you give them just enough of what they want to believe they infer the rest yeah and they believe it because they want to believe it it's what it it confirms their suspicions a lie that confirmed to Rathion that he's right to be want to be free that he is his own creation his own his own dragon and no one can control him would be perfect that he would swallow that whole that's exactly like Anne said that's he 
that's what he did, said to uh, the, you know, with the player when you you show up and the red dragons have attacked. They, you know, they'll never control me. No one will control me. They if, have no idea what they've unleashed. Yeah, and if the, if the old gods can just point him in that kind of direction, they don't have to corrupt him. They don't have to be able to put voices in his head to to do that. And in fact, maybe that's why Farinar was there. You know, get get him aimed in the direction we want, and then you mean well, Farad? Yeah, sorry, Farad. I think okay. Farinar wasn't, wasn't Farinar's real name. I don't know. That's not important. For, Farad was there to basically be killed so that Rathion would be secure in his decision. You know, the old gods put him there like, okay, now now it's time for you to die. Sorry, but, you know, it, it's what we want. So go on. Get well, yourself it's kind of interesting because when Farad turns into a black dragon, what he says, and I'm quoting here, is you have proven too difficult to control. That's what he says right before he tries to kill Rathion anyway. Um, so there's something going on there where Farad was okay with what Rathion was doing because he was helping him out. Yeah. He was helping him pick his marks. He was letting pe- letting him know, okay, this is where this guy is. This is where this guy is. This is where you want to send the dude next. And he, he had a moment of hesitation where he was like, maybe you don't want to send him after death. Maybe you don't want to send this one after Deathwing. Maybe you shouldn't trust this one nobody is that good and Rathion's like there's no need to worry it's you know this next mission is suicide and don't uh, underestimate my father even if you were to crush his body the core of his madness and rage will still struggle to destroy you he won't be defeated until he's utterly annihilated and then he sends you on your way right um when you return and it's after all of this chaos has gone down where the red dragons have attacked Ravenholt, Farad is encouraging Rathion to leave. He says, we should leave this place in case they come back to finish the job. We should take off. We should, we should flee. And that's when Rathion says, yeah, you're the final black dragon, by the way. And, and, and Farad's like, look, I've never tried to conceal what I am to you. I've been loyal to you. So... There's there's an element of trickery going on here on like several different levels. And I think that the linchpin to all of that is why were the Red Dragonflight trying to kill Rathion? Were they trying to kill him? Were they maybe trying to kill him? Maybe he wasn't the target. Or maybe they were they trying, trying to kill Farad. Maybe they were trying to kill Farad. Either which way, Rathion, when he reappeared in Pandaria, there was no contact from the Red Dragonflight. They didn't try to kill him or anything. I don't know if they were even aware that he was there because this was post-cataclysm, right? This was mm-hmm. after they had expended their powers and it was supposedly the Age of Mortals. So they didn't even try. Like, they didn't even show up. They didn't even arrive to ask, hey, what's going on, kid, or anything like that. They just let him do his thing. Or do, or were they not aware that he was there? Because you'll notice that in in war crimes, he doesn't really show his face so much. He's there at the the trial, and nobody tries anything. Like, nobody tries to do anything to him. Alex Straza, I don't think Alex Straza even says anything to him, even though she's at no. the trial as well. And then There's after, no interaction with them, no. Yeah, and then after that, he kind of disappears. It's a little weird... That if they were targeting him, they would suddenly just stop. Yeah, and, and, and if he wasn't corrupted, I mean, it would make sense that the Red Dragonflight would be more concerned with, you know, one dragon that is. And if they had learned that Farad was uh, a black dragon working for the old gods or, or listening to them or whatever the case was, that seems more likely. And it also seems more likely that they'd be concerned that Ravenholt would have been 
uh, corrupted because he was a grandmaster, wasn't he? Like his his human model wasn't that his title was like grandmaster or something like that. Grandmaster Rogue, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like he was a high ranking official, and just like what happened with uh, good old Devil Press. Uh, De- God, I can never say it. Devil Press Store. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we've seen how much a a dragon in disguise can affect human affairs. And I'm and certain that that, that was Farad, probably part of it. Yeah. Farad was, he was there like way before Rathion. He was there like back in vanilla and everything. Yeah. He was, the one, that in, he was the one that introduced you to Ravenholt in the first place. He was the one that you turned in your junk boxes to if you wanted to like grind rep with Ravenholt and everything. He wasn't Jorad Ravenholt don't get me wrong but he was like the right hand man there and he seemed to be really in charge like he was in charge of what was going on yet he was a black dragon so it just it seems odd to me it's the whole the whole situation it has nothing to do with Rathion's presence in Draenor or lack of presence in Draenor has nothing to do well it has a little bit to do with Rathian's lack of presence in Legion because he hasn't really shown up he just shows up at this one point where he's mysteriously up at the dragon shrines for whatever unknown reason for his own personal amusement whatever that is yet all of the rest of this time nobody's been looking for him like nobody seems to ever look for him See, honestly, one of the things about, since we know what we know about Alex Straza, I feel like she may have, you know, if, if Alex Straza is even involved in this, if she's like the Red Dragon, I feel like she would be. I feel like they would, the Red Dragon flight's really devoted. They don't feel like they go around doing stuff and not telling her. Yeah, uh, I would I would say that's pretty accurate. So Yeah, I'm pretty sure I that Rhea Straza would have kept people filled in on what she was doing down in the Badlands. I definitely feel like Alex Straza has always shown a soft side towards the black dragon flight, which is fascinating because of what they did to her. But you see it in vanilla when the, the red dragons are trying to infiltrate Blackwing lair. And you, you, I can't, I can't remember his name and I really should be able to, because I fought him this week. Veilstraz. Uh, Veilstraz. Yeah. When Veilstraz is there, he's like, you know, he went up there to confront them. Like they, a lot of those black dragon flight, you know, there's a lot of this, weird thing where Alex Straza, every time she had to fight one of her own, you get the sense that she wanted nothing to do with it and just did it because she had to. The deal with Malagos, she's like, you know, the monumental loss of life had to end. And you get the sense that even though she hated him because of what he did to her, she didn't really hate him because she's not really capable of hating them. They're her, they were her, I don't want to say friends, but like what other word suits you know, they were like the the five aspects went through everything together. They fought Galagron together. They so there's a sense that she'd like to bring all the dragon flights back. She would like them to be restored, even even the black dragon flight. She would like them to be restored to what they were before. Well, I mean, heck, and, I mean, there was a bla- there's a black dragon flight representative at at Wormrest Temple forever. Yeah, like, even though Deathwing was crazy. Exactly. Yeah. So I get that sense that. It would not be out of character for Alex Straza to say, okay, back up. Let let him give him some rope because if we try and grab him again, he's just going to resist. If we if we try anything like that, he's just going to resist and it's not going to suit our purposes. It's not going to help us it just seems what we weird to, to me. It seems weird oh, to me. Oh, it is definitely weird. Because, I mean, what Rhea Straza was doing in the Badlands was de- very deliberate. She was trying to find a way to purify the Black Dragonflight. That's what she was doing. 
That's what she was up to. That's what that whole set of experiments was all about. What she was trying to find a way to purify them so that she could cure, basically, cure them of their corruption, which seems like a, ver a thing that is very much under Alex Straza's agenda. She doesn't want to destroy the Black Dragon Flight. She wants to help it. She wants to restore it. She wants to, you know, give it renewed life, that kind of thing that falls under Alex Straza's domain. I could totally see her doing that. But what I can't see is if this is what they were after, you know, they had that egg in their possession and then that egg was stolen away and it hatched. Why would they try to destroy that progeny when it represents what they were hoping to achieve? I mean, yes, he went rogue. And instead of trying to find a way to purify the rest of his species, he wiped them out. But I think that part of that was the result of him understanding that there was no magic I win button. There was no, he, he could, they could purify more eggs and they could oh hatch, hatch a new generation of black dragons. Okay, you just said, oh my God, so I'm going to let you go because that usually means that there's something good coming. So tell us. Abyssian was created by using a piece of Titan technology to purify black dragon eggs. Exactly. Yep. The hammer of Kazgaroth. We're assembling these Titan artifacts, but, I mean, if you want to purify black dragons, and I know there's clutches of eggs all over the world, like, you know, we see in uh, in the Broken Shore that the, the, the blues had, like, a hatchery going on up there. And they just got restored, and they already had a hatchery going. So there's black dragon hatcheries all over the place. There would have to be. And if he, he can do it, now that, now that Deathwing is gone, because yeah. you, you do his job. You, you kill everybody that, that's, a, you know, Sabellian's not a threat, because even if he is, he does exist. But like you said, he's an outland. He's so far removed that he doesn't, he's, there's no consequence. Yeah, you know, he there's nothing he is going unless he if comes he back. If he returned to Azeroth, I think that there would be a problem, but he yeah. hasn't. But in the meantime, the only black dragon left, really, as far as he knows, is is Rathion. And Abyssian even says, "I have family matters to deal with." When he leaves you, yes. Yeah. So if Abyssian and Rathion connect, they have between them all the knowledge they need to purify the black dragon flight. In to theory. actually treat theory, and he's in Northrend, where the t the tools could be found. It's the best place to go. It's, it's there's there's two there's two ways that you could look at that. He's in Northrend, where the tools are, because obviously there are Titan facilities out there, so there must be more artifacts. There must be more something out there, right? Yeah, I mean, we know that Mimiron has like entire workshop. What else is in Northrend? In Oh god, lots of things. Uh, the, the fallen world tree, the frozen um, throne, the no. Rome Rest Temple itself. I... What's in Ulduar? Oh, Yogg-Saron. What do we know is not dead in Ulduar? Yogg-Saron again. Is that why he's in Northrend? But then the question would be: For what purpose is it to make it dead? Dead? Or is it to strike a bargain? Like what? What, what at that point? What he saw when he ate the heart of the Thunder King. What he saw, there was like a beacon of light and then he says, oh, I see them a million, million worlds glittering in their perfection, but one above all others. Oh, we've fallen. We must rebuild the final Titan. Do not forget. Do you think that he saw the old god infestation and maybe he's trying to do something about it? Or is he trying to study it? Or is he studying it? 
Because I feel or, like maybe he's moved beyond the Legion. Maybe, the you know, he says that the Legion is his focus. But I don't know if the Legion has ever been his focus. Because what was he doing when he was in Mists of Pandaria? When he was over there at at the the tavern at the Veiled Stair. He was, he was there and he, he was giving us missions to go back and forth. And everything that he was having us fetch for him was something related to the Titans. He had his agents all over Pandaria looking at the water like the water in the Vale of Eternal Blossoms and the water over in the Valley of the Four Winds. Like you could find these NPCs that were wandering around and they were like, do you think, do you think these guys know what they're sitting on? Do you think they know what this is? Well, we should report back to Rathion. He never mentions this to the player. To the player, he is still very focused on the war and he's very focused about this whole Legion threat thing. But there's like this underlying story that I don't think that we, we've seen. I don't think that we know what exactly he was really after. I feel you like... Just, you just made a connection here. Yeah. What's in the veil besides yeah. the water? The heart of Yashiraj. Yeah, not just the heart, the means to contain it. Yep. Yeah, and you know... Sorry, go ahead. Well, that's Raden built these mechanisms to contain old god things. He built the, the vault that the heart was kept in. That thing didn't fail. It was still holding the heart quite effectively. The reason the heart got loose was because Garrosh went down there and got it. Well, he opened only... the vault and took it out. The vault technology still works. If you wanted to go, say, trap an old god, that vault technology is still in place. It, you could use that in Olduar on the you know because the chains were broken in Olduar, but you could rebuild them. The technology still exists. Or you could do something else with it because we know that they could, you know, they also had the ability to purify it. That's what Norushen did. Norushen yeah. could purify old god corruption. That there's like a lot of stuff here that we don't. We only know bits and pieces of. She's right. There's there is stuff going on here. Well, and the other thing too is if you consider it, it would make sense that maybe this is where he'd be going because who who did he consume the power of? The you know, it was Amonthul. Essentially, it was power from Amonthul. Isn't Amonthul the one that ripped the old god uh, out of Azeroth in the first place and then realized, oh, we can't do this? Whoops. Yep. Yeah, and wouldn't Amonthul be looking for potentially, or at least the essence of Amonthul in some capacity, be looking for a solution to that problem over all these millennia? Or at least be incredibly aware of these prisons what they hold and knowing that maybe just maybe we need to take this a step further but in order to do that you have to study what's there and how they're getting free and how they work and here's how what they're Rathion figured out oh here's what, on, and here, here's what i got Rath one thing to add to that real quick okay and who better to aid in that than one who is attuned to the deep places of azeroth a okay. black dragon well sorry Here's what Rathion figured out, right? Here's what Amonthul had. He was the one that ripped the heart, or, or, ripped, tried to remove Yasharaj forcibly from Azeroth. He ripped that hole. He started the Well of Eternity. What's that water in the veil? It's from the Well of Eternity. It's part of that wound. Um, oh my gosh, my brain is going like a million miles an hour here, and I'm trying to focus in on a point. I'm sorry. He knew from Theoretically, if he absorbed the knowledge of Amonthul, he knew about their plan, their plan to contain the old gods and, and lock them away, seal them away, right? He yep. also knew, due to what happened to his own kind 
that those prisons didn't work. They failed. These things, these mm -hmm. old gods, they've gotten free. They corrupted his entire dragon flight. They've been corrupting things all over Azeroth. Pandaria was just another spot where there was evidence of this thing going on. So, Rossi, when you say, oh, there's a way to contain it, maybe that is what he's after. He's looking to correct the problem that Amanthul and the others tried to solve and were unsuccessful in doing. Or another idea here, since mm -hmm. we talked earlier about how he may not be as free of the old gods as we think, what if he thinks, okay, we can't, we can't corrupt it, but it's possible to remove them and not actually kill the planet because Amethyl mm -hmm. didn't kill the planet. I mean, I was purified. They purified yeah. me. They got the old god essence out of me. Couldn't we just apply that same technology to Azeroth itself? And or, that would be exactly what Yog saron would want him to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> because that's what they've always wanted. Yog saron wanted them to re-originate the planet. Yog saron set it up so that Loken would basically have a dead man switch on himself and then threw us at Loken to kill him. We were like, he, the, the old gods want this to happen one way or another. They want, you know, a re-origination well, or reformat, whatever. Go ahead and try. They want it. That's they what if, deeply wanted it this whole time. And what if though? What if to go back to his statement of we can rebuild it? Like we must rebuild we the final titan. It. But the final titan isn't exactly destroyed yet. It it's not. And I like this idea of maybe maybe he's trying to figure out how to remove the old gods, like physically remove them from Azeroth, and then rebuild the titan after that. Maybe that's what it's trying to do. Not necessarily re-originating because. That's not a rebuilding. That is a reconstitution. It's completely different. It's not putting the broken oh pieces my God. back together. Oh, my God. Wait. Hold up. Back it up. Okay. <laughs> All right. How was Rathion created? Taking multiple dragon eggs and, you know, assembling one out of the non-corrupted pieces. Okay. But what kind of dragon egg? What, what was it exactly? It was a purified... They, they created a purified black dragon egg with a black whelp corpse... And a wild black dragon egg and one of Nixandria's eggs, right? A red they, dragon egg. They, they put these things together. They put these things... They mushed these things together. So what do we have right now on Azeroth? We have a wild titan egg. We do. What is Argus? Oh, it's a... It's not dead yet. It will be what Argus. are we about to do? Yeah, that's a good point. You think he's going to do that to a Titan? Do you think do you think maybe 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 all of this machination, all of this stuff that he's doing, do you think that part of this was maybe him trying to set up the conditions where that experiment that created him at a larger scale can be done on a global on like a cosmic scale? You mean he wants to rebuild the final Titan? Yeah. At the hour of her third death. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. All right. Um we kind of went into wild and woolly places and we are running way over on time. So we should wrap this up. <laughs> Even though I could keep talking about this for probably like another six hours. All right. Uh, Avarella and Nayuli, thank you for the questions. If you guys have any questions for the show, please feel free to send those to podcasts at blizzardwatch.com. Put Lorewatch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for the show. Um, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access 
to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you guys, listeners of Lore Watch, Audible is offering a free offer where if you sign up for a 30-day trial, you get a free audiobook download hand-in-hand with that. A couple of the books that we've mentioned today, Tides of War and War Crimes, they're both available as audiobooks on Audible, and you can use those as your free trial so why not if you want to know more about Rathion I highly recommend War Crimes because it's a fascinating book Uh, you can download those titles and many more by signing up for that 30 day trial and you can do that by going to blizzardwatch.com slash audible final thoughts you guys Um, do you think that uh, given what we've discussed all this stuff that we've discussed so far in this podcast do you think that maybe we were wrong in expecting Rathion to show up in Warlords and Legion and maybe his actual role really fits in with whatever it is that's coming next after what we're doing now Joe I think that he's going to be more to play in the future than he is at, at anything we've experienced in the last well last expansion and current expansion honestly we're doing what we're supposed to be doing we're keeping the Legion and, and old gods essentially off of him which, I mean, no matter what else that is giving him room to operate, I think we're doing we're doing exactly what we always do. We're a, a, a weapon pointed at a target, and that's exactly what we're doing. And by doing so, we're allowing him to do whatever he needs to do. Rossi, same question. Uh, honestly, um, I find myself wondering if we're not missing something. Like, there's still more to this than we've got. There's pieces we don't know yet, so... I have no idea. I really don't have the slightest idea if we're going to see more of him or not. I hope we do because they've left a lot on the table here. I mean, there's no guarantee anything that was just speculated is true, but the fact that you could speculate it implies that they've left a ton of stuff out we're there. We're kind of tinfoil hatting out the wazoo today, yeah. so. But yeah, they definitely. It's very strange that we haven't gotten more Rathian yet. It would be nice if the strangeness comes in and there's an actual story reason for it, but one way or another, we need to see more of him. Okay, well that wraps us up and that wraps up the show. Thank you guys very much for listening and we will see you in two weeks. 